pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we begin our message for this morning, Lord God, from the book of Genesis chapter 37, Lord, we also want to pray for this one that wrote this request that, Lord Jesus, uh, she's specifically praying that her husband's cancer will not come back, that he will stay cancer-free. It sounds like he's healed. It sounds like it's been taken care of. It sounds like uh, he had it, and now it's gone, and we pray that it will stay gone in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that it will stay gone, and we rebuke it in the name of Jesus for all those that are sick with cancer right now. Heal them in the name of Jesus, including my own mom right now, Lord Jesus, who's got this cancer that's growing all over her body. We pray for healing for her, Lord God, and for all those that are suffering of any kind of physical issues right now. And we pray for the message that you will bless it. Help me, Father, to share it here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Now everyone said, amen. Very good. Okay, let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, we are going to continue our Bible study in this section of Scripture. Okay, Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to start reading at verse number 1. Let's pray and ask our Lord to bless the reading of His Word here this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray right now, God, for Your blessing on Your Word as we open up the Holy Bible. Let it enrich and encourage and strengthen and, if necessary, correct all of us, Lord God, that are striving to walk with you and live for you and please you. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. Okay. It says here in Genesis 37, verse 1, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Okay, so last week we took a break from this particular Bible study because it was Father's Day and we focused on that. So let's review very, very quickly and briefly what we've learned so far to just kind of bring us all back to where we left off. Our main focus in reading this section of scripture is that Joseph's relationship with his dad and family was almost the complete opposite of David's relationship with his family, with his dad and his family. David was a neglected son, while Joseph, we learned, was a favorite son of his father. We learned that Jacob and his family lived in Canaan, which at that time was hostile and dangerous. But Jacob and his family put their trust in Almighty God, which is what we do every single day. Can you say amen, church? He put his, they put their trust in Almighty God, and God was became their shield. God became their protector. God was their provider in a very hostile land. And you know what? Nothing has really changed for the nation of Israel. Yes, they are a nation today. Yes, they are blessed today. But guess what? Even today, they are completely surrounded by nations that absolutely hate them and want to destroy them. The only reason why they haven't been destroyed or why they, they're still there is because God is still with them, church. And that's why the church is still here. No matter what we go through, the church will be here because God is with us. Can you say amen? And you know what? Let's make it really personal. That's why you're still here. That's why you are doing well and blessed and kept because God is in your life. You just heard this testimony. Josh is a, is a miracle. 
He's a walking miracle of how God transformed his life. His mom understands the wonderful miracle that God has done in her son's life. Who better than a mom to give testimony about what she has seen and experienced with her own eyes and her own life about her own son and how God has transformed him. So we thank God for that. So getting back to Jacob, Jacob's son, Joseph, we learn that Joseph refused to join in with his older brothers when they would want him to participate in wrongdoing and would choose instead to expose them. We learn that Joseph was part of a blended family. He had three stepmoms. He had ten half-brothers and one half-sister. And the Bible tells us that Joseph was his dad's favorite child. This resulted in some serious jealousy and rivalry. And sadly, the Bible actually tells us that Joseph's brothers hated him. We learn that Jacob made a beautiful robe for his son, Joseph. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 3, in the New Living Translation, it says this, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. And we compared this to you and I in our own Christian experience. This is a picture of what God has done for you and I who are now children of God. Before we came to Christ, even on our best day, even on our best day when we were doing really, really well because of sin, all of our righteousnesses were like filthy rags. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says this, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So all of us who thought at one point that we were all that, that everything was good, that we were such wonderful people, guess what? God got in our face and he said, no, dude, you're on your way to hell and you better get your life straightened out and you need Jesus. We were wretched, we were lost, we were rejected, we were enemies of God. Our righteousness was like filthy rags. But when we came to Christ, I don't know about you, but I thank God today for that day that I came to Jesus Christ or he came to me. I don't know how it happened. It was a miracle. How many of you thank God for that day that you got saved? Can you say amen? That is the most important day of your life. No matter what has happened to you, good or bad, just think on that day when Christ became your Savior and everything else will be insignificant. Because on that day that you came to Christ, that I came to Christ, God took off all of our old, dirty, and filthy rags, and he cleansed us, and he put a royal robe of righteousness on us. Isaiah 61.10, we read it a couple of weeks ago. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Church, he has clothed us with the garments of salvation. And he says, you need to give glory to God for that. You need to give praise to God for that. We were on our way to hell. We were condemned. We were lost. We were in darkness. We were in bondage. But God stripped all that away he took all that away and he clothed us. That's why the Bible says here, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Only God can do that, church. Only God can do something like that. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. 
And now we are kings and priests serving our King Jesus, who is our Lord and our Savior. What a privilege it is to be in the house of God. What a privilege it is to be a child of God. What a privilege it is to be a child of the King. Hallelujah. We're on our way to heaven, church. My God, everything is forgiven. And now the devil hates us. He's jealous of us. He envies us. So now let's move on to the next section of Scripture, which describes for us two dreams that Joseph had. In Genesis chapter 37, starting at verse 5, it tells us about two dreams that Joseph had. In verse 5 it says this, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his fathers kept the matter in mind. Now verse 5 begins with, Joseph had a dream. Now, how many of you would agree that dreams are fascinating. Would you guys all agree with that? Dreams are fascinating. All of us at times dream at night when we sleep. As a matter of fact, I dreamed last night and I don't remember what I dreamed about, but I know I, I dreamed last night. All of us at times daydream during the day. That's what some of you are doing right now. You're daydreaming. You're not even paying attention to what I'm saying. Okay. All of us have dreams and goals of things that we would like to accomplish in life. All of us do. We all have goals. We all want to do better. We all want our kids to do better. We want better for our families. How many of you would agree with that? Can you say those are dreams? Those are goals. Those are desires. We, we want to get better. We want to do better. We want to accomplish more. We, we thank God for what we have, but with God's help, we want to do better. And that's good. And that's healthy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible tells us here that, the, that Joseph had a dream, not just one dream, but two dreams. And we learned something very important here. There were, these were not ordinary dreams like the ones you and I experienced, like the ones I had last night. Those are just ordinary dreams. I wake up, you wake up, we find out that it's a dream. If it's a good dream, we get sad because it's not really true. If it's a bad dream, we get happy because we find out, oh God, thank God that that wasn't really happening or that didn't really happen in my life. Because man, it's just a dream and it really doesn't have a lot of stuff. And you can look up on the internet, there's all kinds of studies about what dreams are all about and why we have them and how they affect us and and how they cause us to unwind from all of our anxiety. There's all kinds of studies on dreams. We're not going to go there. We're going to talk about dreams that come from God. Dreams that come from God. These dreams that Joseph had were divine. These dreams that Joseph had were from God. Almighty God. These dreams were given by Joseph by God in order to reveal to him something real about Joseph's future. 
This was a prophetic dream given to Joseph by Almighty God. And the Bible is very clear that God at times chooses to reveal things to us through dreams and visions. God chooses to do that. Dreams that we have during the night while we sleep. Let me just give you some scriptures about this. This is really, really important for you, especially those of you who are followers of Jesus. You got to know this stuff. This is very important for you and for me, for all of us who are followers of Jesus. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 6, it says this. He said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. This is God speaking to us. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, it says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what he, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God spoke to Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in a dream. Matthew chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, speaking of the wise men, it says here, and the wise men, after they presented gifts to Jesus Christ, the newborn king, in verse 11, it says this, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And listen to what the, the, the next verse says in verse 13. Matthew 2, verse 13, about Joseph. It says this, When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay here, stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Another one in Matthew 2, verses 19 and 20. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. All of this is happening in dreams. Acts 2 verses 17 through 21. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above the sign and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the Bible very specifically tells us that God speaks to you and I through dreams. These are divine, this is divine communication from God to us. The Bible also mentions visions. The definition of a vision in Webster's Dictionary is something seen in the mind or in a dream or in a trance, the ability to foresee. And again, there are some examples of visions. Uh, you can find an example in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 15. It's a long section of scripture. I won't read it here. But in Revelation, chapter 9, verse 17, it says this about John the Apostle. It says, the horses and riders I saw 
in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. John the apostle saw the future. He had visions of the future. He saw visions of how everything was going to go down and how everything was going to end. Things that are way beyond our understanding at this point and way beyond our even time. He must have seen airplanes and helicopters and tanks and all kinds of machinery that he had never seen before. And he wrote it down. Luke chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Another vision given to us as an example. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, verse 9 and, 9 and through 11. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, or he had a vision. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. Acts 16, verses 9 and 10. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Why am I sharing so much scripture about dreams and visions? Because I'm trying to get it into your spirit that these things are real. And this is how God communicates to us at times when he chooses. And you got to believe it in your own heart and in your own mind. The Bible also mentions prophecy. The definition of prophecy is a declaration of description, of representation, of something future. Beyond the power of human sagacity to foresee, discern, or conjecture. In other words, he allows us to speak prophetically, meaning things that are going to be happening in the future. When I read certain sections of the Bible that talk about the future, I'm actually reading prophecy to you. God is telling us, look, dude, I know how everything started. I know where you're at right now, and I know how everything's going to end. Trust me. Put your trust in me. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next week. You don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now, but I do. Put your life in my hands. Put your trust in me, and I'm going to guide you through this maze of life successfully, but you have to trust God. Can you say amen, church? Our journey is a journey of faith, church. God already knows the end of your life personally. He already knows the end of the story of this earth because he's God. And from time to time, he gives us little pictures of the future. That's why we have to trust him by faith because he's God. Can you say amen? Now, let me read again what the Bible tells us about what, what will be going on in the last days before Jesus returns. In Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, it says this. Again, let me read it again. It says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. First of all, church, now that I've shared all these scriptures with you about the reality of visions, about the reality of dreams, and about the reality of visions, do you believe that God can communicate to us through visions? Can you say amen? Do you believe that He can communicate to us through dreams? Can you say amen? Can you believe that He can, pro- that he can um, communicate to us through prophecy? Can you say amen? It's important that we believe this. Why? Because that's what God says He's going to do in the last days. He says, even on my men's servants, both men and women, both men and women, there are certain churches that believe that God only uses or speaks through men. But the Bible says, on men and women, I can only go by what the Bible says. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Everyone, please say, in the last days. One more time. In the last days. One more time, just to get it into our spirit. In the last days. The Bible says again that in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit. And what is he going to do? Let me read it again. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. This is going to happen. Your young men will see visions. This is going to happen. Your old man, like Pastor Jerry, will dream dreams. And he's going to remember them. Hallelujah. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, in the last days, and they will prophesy. This is important because the Bible tells us that something else is going to be happening in the last days. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Verses 1 through 4, the Bible says this. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Let me say that again. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. God is telling us ahead of time what's going to be going down in the last days. Now, I don't know how many of you have been hearing all of this conversation about defunding our police or even dismantling our police departments. And I know that we have all kinds of different viewpoints, all kinds of perspectives, all kinds of feelings, very strong emotions, very strong opinions uh, on all kinds of different viewpoints on what's going on in our nation and around the world right now. But man, I think that we better be careful about what we are doing as a nation. Now, I agree that we definitely need some reforms to better our policing agencies and our policing departments throughout our nation. The incident involving the death of George Floyd is definitely a terrible reality that has existed for hundreds of years, sadly. It's a, it's a reality. Uh, people have gone through this kind of stuff. They haven't, been, they haven't gotten caught, okay? But it's been going on for a long time. So, 
Definitely, this is a reality that exists. And the anger that people have, especially the African-American community, it is justified, no doubt. It is completely justified. This whole incident is still fresh on people's hearts. And there are still protests going on around our nation. And there is definitely a need for change, definitely a need for correction, definitely a need for reform. And yes, we can all get together. Our government is working really hard to try to bring some reforms that are healthy, good reforms for our policing agencies throughout our nation. And that's all good. However, to defund our the police or to remove our police to me is is an insane proposition. I'm just speaking for myself personally. I'm a minority and I'm telling you that I'm speaking for myself personally. To defund or to remove our police department, to me that sounds insane. That sounds like one step away from anarchy, to be honest with you. Okay? In my opinion, and I'm only giving my opinion, because I know this is a very controversial subject. I'm, I'm sticking my nose into something and I'm speaking about something that is extremely controversial and there's opposite emotions and feelings on all kinds of different sides and philosophies and viewpoints. And I understand that. And I want to be sensitive to that. And I want to try to be politically correct, but I also want to have the courage to be honest about it. In my opinion, this is a very dangerous thing. Listen to the latest article that I found on it's this NPR and KCRW. Any of you can just go onto your phones on the internet and just look up uh, defunding police in Minneapolis, okay, or dismantling police in Minneapolis, and you'll find all kinds of articles on what's going on in Minneapolis right now. But let me just read one of many articles. It says this Minneapolis Council moves to defund police, establish holistic public safety force. This is June 26, 2020, this past Friday, two days ago, two, three days ago. And this was written by Vanessa Romo, just to give you some stats so you can look this up and verify and make sure that I'm speaking the truth to you. It says, the Minneapolis City Council on Friday unanimously approved a proposal to eliminate the city's police department. Not just to defund, I'm talking about to eliminate the city's police department. This is, of course, where George Floyd was, was killed, murdered, however you want to define it. Okay. Eliminate the city's police department. Marking the first step toward establishing a new holistic approach to public safety. The move follows more than a month of national outrage and protests against police brutality in the wake of the killing of George Floyd, a black man who died after an officer pressed his knee into his neck for more than eight minutes. Under the proposed plan, the city would eliminate the existing police department and replace it with a Department of Community Safety and Violence Prevention, which will have responsibility for public safety services, prioritizing a holistic, public health-oriented approach. The department would be overseen by a director, nominated by the mayor, and approved by the city council. Only individuals with, individuals with non-law enforcement experience in community safety services, including but not limited to public health and or re restorative justice approaches, will be eligible to hold the post according to the amendment. Now again, let me just be very clear. I want to be very straight up. I totally agree with the fact that police brutality, police abuse of their position is definitely Unacceptable. We cannot allow ourselves to accept that kind of behavior from our policing agencies. Okay? But to eliminate our police department, in my opinion, sounds over the top to me. 
It sounds like we're overreacting to something that can be fixed with all of us just getting together and trying to make some minor corrections. Are there abuses? Of course. Recently, for those of you that weren't with our own L.A. County Sheriff's Department, uh, Sheriff Baca had to be dismissed from his position. He would have gone to prison except that he got sick because there was all kinds of violations that were going on in our county jails. Are there violations? Are there abuses? Are there things going on that are not right in our uh, a, a public service system or in our jails or prisons or, or police. Yes, of course there are. Yes, there are. And we can work together to correct them. But to eliminate police and sheriffs and CHPs and to replace them with people that aren't even trained to know how to handle this kind of stuff, that is very dangerous. And what is my point in bringing this up? This is just a, a little bit of information, a little bit of a taste how all of this is falling in line with the, what the Bible is telling us what will be happening in the last days. Let me read it again. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Church, does it sound like we're going in that direction? It sure does to me. It sure does to me. I just heard somebody shout out in the church, we're already here, Pastor Jerry. Come on, get with it. I don't know about you, but I sure am glad I'm a Christian today. I sure am glad that I'm, I'm on God's side and that God is on my side. Because we're living in some crazy times, church. Crazy times. Not only do we have this pandemic, which the Bible talks about, by the way. The Bible also tells us that in the last days, these things, this pandemic is going to happen. And, and even more of this. Okay? The Bible is very clear about what's going to go down and how it's going to go down. That's why God says, you better put your trust in me, in the Lord. And now and our sister's talking about natural disasters that are going on. Natural disasters. Well, I don't want to get into it because we can get all this, all, into all this prophecy stuff, all these signs of the end times, and they're happening right in our face. And we thank God that we get to see it with our own eyes. But we have Jesus. Can you say amen? So again, going back to the theme of the last days, there are two things that are going to be happening simultaneously in the last days. Simultaneously, that means at the same time. Number one, in the last days, there will be a tremendous increase of evil and a tremendous increase of ungodliness and perversion and rebellion. But at the same time, this is why you got to get this into your spirit. At the same time, there will be a great outpouring of God's spirit upon the people of God. God and he says, I'm going to bless our young men with visions. I'm going to bless the old men with dreams. I'm going to bless men and women with being able to prophesy. Speak into this evil. Speak into the darkness. Speak life into those that are dying. Speak life and resurrection and hope and encouragement to those that are hurting and dying and don't know what to do and that are confused. God is going to anoint his church to speak life to the world. Can you say amen, church? So the, while the world is going crazy and mixed up and confused with all this darkness, God is going to say, I'm going to anoint my church. And they're going to bring life and hope and order and the anointing and the power of God. And people will see it. People will see the power of God with their own eyes. 
So to all of you sons and daughters of God that are clothed in a robe, a royal robe of righteousness, the way Joseph was, get ready for God to use you to prophesy. To you young men out there that are followers of Christ, get ready to see visions that come from Almighty God. To you old men out there that are followers of Christ, get ready to dream dreams that come from Almighty God. These are crazy days that we are living in, church, but they are also exciting days that we're living in. And you know what blows my mind? Joseph's brothers and and his parents, they were able to interpret. They were able to understand the meaning of the dreams. And church, guess what? God is saying to you and me today, I want you to understand. And I want you to know what's going on right now. And I want you, church, to get ready. Get ready for me to speak to you. Because I'm going to use you to speak life into the people of this world in these dark days that we're living in. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe in visions and dreams and the ability to prophesy? God's going to do that because we are in the last days. Get ready. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're excited, Lord. We know that there's all kinds of chaos and madness going on around us, all kinds of confusion, all kinds of viewpoints, all kinds of, uh, of, of emotions, Lord God, that are, that are just out there right now, Lord. We definitely have some serious issues and things that we need to correct and that we need to deal with and confront and have the courage to face and admit. Definitely, Lord God, we have some serious problems. And there's a right way to correct it, and there's a wrong way to correct it. The most important thing that we can do is to pray. To pray for our country. To pray for the people of our nation and of the world. That we would not be deceived or, or duped or get caught up in our flesh, but that we would be people of the Spirit. And Lord God, we pray for the church in America that you will help us, Lord God, to be sensitive and to be available and to be used in a mighty way in these last days for you. Not really for us, but for the sake of those who are lost. We're already saved. We're already clothed with a robe of righteousness. We're already children of God. We are already on our way to heaven. But Lord, there's a whole world out there that is in darkness and that is angry and frustrated and discouraged. I didn't even mention the police officers that are very discouraged right now over what's happening. Many of them are retiring early. Many of them are, are leaving law enforcement, Lord God, because they're so discouraged. Many of their families are discouraged because, Lord, a lot of police officers have lost their lives during this crisis. So there's a whole other side to all of this stuff that's going on around us, Lord. So many different opinions and points of views. And it's way too complex for any individual to try to figure out. But you are God. And we submit ourselves to your authority and to your lordship and to your guidance. Be with your church, Lord, in these last days. Anoint your church in these last days. Help your church not to be afraid, but to be courageous and to be strong. And to put our hope and trust in you, Lord. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. If you're listening to me online and you say, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. We want to give you that opportunity right now. The only answer for you is Jesus. 
It's not going to come from the president. It's not going to come from the governor. It's not going to come from the mayor. It's not going to come from the police. It's not going to come from your neighbor. It's not going to come from your parents or your friends. It's got to come from God. Jesus is the only one that can help you right now. So if you're listening to me right now and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. I want to do that here right now. I want you to say this prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins because I realize that I'm a sinner and even on my best day, I'm still a sinner. The only one that can help me and forgive me is you, Jesus. So today, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're listening to me right now, those of you that are here, let's pray for ourselves as a church body that God will help us, that God will help us to walk by faith and to trust Jesus and to let him use us in whatever way he chooses in these last days. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your church. We pray for those that are here right now, Lord God, present in the body of Christ, Lord God, in church service right now. We pray for those that are Christians listening online. Help us, Lord God, to be sensitive to your spirit, to be in the spirit, to seek your face through prayer so that you can begin to speak to us, Lord God. We are open to you communicating to us in dreams. We are open to you communicating to us in visions. We are open to you, Lord God, using us to prophesy, to speak life and hope and encouragement and when necessary correction to those that are around us lord god help us lord jesus to be obedient to you in these last days that we're living in in jesus name we pray and all god's people said amen god bless you